Darth Vader. If only you could be so bold. The Imperial Senate will not sit still for this. When they hear you've attacked a diplomatic... Don't act so surprised, Your Highness. You weren't on any mercy mission this time. Several transmissions were beamed to the ship by rebel spies. I want to know what happened to the plans they sent you. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate on a diplomatic mission to Alderaan. You are part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. Take it away! and Padawans to episode 199 of Full of Sith. I am Mike Pilot, and with me, my co-host, Brian Young. Uh, we talked about, on our episode we released this week, that this episode we would be talking about some unfortunate sadness. And But before we do that, let's try to pick up the, the mood a little bit. We're going to announce our, our newest co-host to the Full of Sith family, and we're very, very happy to do so. And Brian, I'm going to let you handle that. I'd like everyone to give a warm round of applause to our new Full of Sith co-host, Holly Fry. Oh, I feel weird asking for applause out of the gate, but um, yeah, I'm so honored that you guys would invite me to be part of this. It's uh, such a great show, and I certainly love talking about Star Wars, and I love the two of you, and I adore Amy from the bottom of my heart, so I will miss her along with all the other listeners and hope we can have her back as often as possible. Yeah, it's uh, it's great to have you on the show, Holly. Um, we've You've been our go-to you know, guest host every time that we, we need something fast or we uh, need somebody to talk to and you've you've always been there for us and you're a great friend too i mean, I mean putting real life aside um so we've always appreciated you being here and i have to tell you I, i'm gonna miss amy too i miss bobby not being on the show i certainly miss concetta she was a, a very big part of this uh, when we started um you bring for me you bring a, an added energy to the show to me not the show itself like <clears throat> that nobody else brings an energy to the show it's not what i'm saying i don't um, bring she, energy to the show <laughs> Holly Holly has that laugh and she and, and that that actually uh encourages me to be a little bit more of a goof and I like being a goof and um yeah I just you know I, I love having you on and, and we're happy you're here and uh you're going to contribute amazingly swimmingly as they say we hope I know I know you're just the sweetest those are lots of awfully nice things to hear and I know everybody's heard you on the show before but if they're a new listener just coming in after the uh uh watching Rogue One and looking for Star Wars shows since we like 10 people told me this week that we were on main page of iTunes, which was great. Um, Brian told me about that two weeks ago, too. Um, so if it's new listeners coming in, if you haven't heard any of the older episodes with Holly, certainly go back to the, in through the feed and get those. Uh, some awesome insight. And Holly, you uh, do some other podcasts. And um, so if anybody, like the three people that live in that rock in um, you know Montana that haven't heard podcasts, can you uh, look at We're going to hear shows? from people in Montana Right, now. Montana like, we... has the internet, Mike. <laughs> Well, but they're small buckets. They go out to the internet I'm well and hearing, just get small buckets of internet. I'm still hearing yeah. from people in Kansas, Mike. I didn't say anything about but negative about Montana. It's a beautiful place. You I'm said they saying, were living under a rock. There, there are people that live in rock under rock homes. Yeah, it's a true thing. Look it up. They're Al Patrick from SpongeBob. There you but go. They're in Montana and not in the ocean. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I also host. Um, uh, a podcast called Stuff You Missed in History Class uh, for How Stuff Works, which is just a little podcast, not well, like an amazing yeah. one. It's awesome. Uh, the, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, and Brian and I have our own little kind of history class, which is uh, we have a, a show called Fothentic History, where we talk way too seriously about fictional histories as though they were real histories. So uh, we do those two together. Yeah, Fothentic is great. I, I think it's a, it's a fantastic show. These are just starting off. It's been a couple months, right? The, the episodes you have so far, I've been telling everybody that, that talks to me about Full of Sith or, or anything else, they tell them to check out Fothentic History. But what I want to say about um, your other podcast, that's how I became familiarized with Holly Fry. I was a very long time listener of that program and I love it. You and Tracy have done wonders with that show. It is one of the greatest shows available through the iTunes podcast directory. And I'm not just saying that because you're here. I'm saying that because I truly believe it. And um, so, yes, definitely check out Holly's other work because she is quite the incredible lady. I don't even know how to respond it's to that. The rest of the butt kissing for the episode, Holly. That's so, it. Okay, cool. For, for new listeners, just in case, Holly, do you want to give your, uh, your, st- like, 
what it is that you like about Star Wars and why you decided that you'd be cool on a Star Wars podcast. Okay, I didn't decide that, first of all, but um, <laughs> you did, and I'm honored, but uh, I would I don't think I would ever be like, you know what, you guys, I'd be really cool at this. Um, no, I grew up with Star Wars. Uh, I will give away my age, which is fine. Uh, so A New Hope, originally, when it was just Star Wars, came out on my sixth birthday, uh, so it's always been part of my life and I super love it. You're not older than me. I think so. Wow. Well, yeah, my time has I been know. a lot more kind to you. Suddenly uh, I'm the baby on the show. I know you're the, you're the little petite chouchou. Um, uh, yeah, so it's always been part of my life. I only remember, you know, those those quaint few years before there was Star Wars. Uh, but I do remember pre-Star Wars and post-Star Wars, and I have always just uh, loved it. It's been a huge part of my life ever since. Um, everybody always kind of makes fun of me because my favorite character is Greedo, but I'll take it because I love that Rodian. Uh, you know, I mean, I can't... I've talked at length about it before, so I feel weird sort of being repetitive, but I just, there's something so sort of wonderful about this other world where everything is weird. So nothing is weird and anything can happen. And uh, yeah, I just love it. And you did some professional work with Star Wars, right? Uh, yeah, I wrote, uh, I've written for StarWars.com. Is that what you're talking about? I'm trying to think of it. No, it was Cartoon Network. Oh, yeah. Well, I didn't technically work on that. I was at Cartoon when uh, we were launching uh, Clone Wars and I was on another project uh, at the time. But the, I would get occasional consults because I was the big Star Wars dork. So people would show, show up at my desk and ask me questions. I didn't like, know that. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I am. Uh, when we announced that for the network, um, when they did upfronts, it was kind of hilarious because they wanted to do. Um, the head of the company at the time, Stu Snyder, they wanted him to have a Jedi robe for the <laughs> for the upfronts announcement. So their marketing suddenly ran down to my desk and we're like, can you make us a Jedi robe for Stu? So if you happen to watch that feed, that was uh, my Jedi robe. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I wanted to say, that little Rodian you made um, this past week and the Leia, they were really cute. Oh, they're very, very silly. Um, yeah, I do a lot of, I have done, I haven't done a lot of Star Wars costuming in recent years, but I have over the years. Uh, most of the costuming I've done recently has been for running events, so there have been some Star Wars ones. But yeah, I, you know, it's been a, a, a weird and and sort of difficult time, so I made myself some new plushies, which is not really my thing. I'm really an apparel stitcher. I mean, I do crafty things, but uh, really I like clothing. So it's the, uh -huh. it helps to the healing absolutely for me i mean i i anytime i'm really upset like the first thing i tend to do is try to figure out if i can make something because it kind of gets me out of my head a little bit and it kind of channels that energy into something that's at least productive and in the background my brain is kind of sorting out the situation yeah. so for me it's very cathartic and very um it's almost like a meditation of sorts it's just an active meditation yeah i'm the same way with with making my vinyl stickers cutting them out and weeding them it just you know it's relaxing you don't have to think about it too much and and what i wanted to say about those is you know i i thought that they were adorable their faces were like not over the top but they were just right and they just looked i just thought they looked really cute maybe i'll use oh, that for the so show sweet. i thought they were cute <laughs> but we're talking about healing and you know i said the unfortunateness of what happened during our recording in the past episode, we're talking about Rogue One and, and our thoughts of after seeing it multiple times. And Brian um, saw the news came in about Carrie Fisher passing away. Well, she had her heart attack right before the weekend last weekend, right? Yeah. And then, unfortunately, you know, she passed away and it's very sad. And And I, I do have to say it's been it's been good for me. I'm I'm terrible with death. I know nobody's good with death except for undertakers and nurses, I guess. But um like my wife is a critical care nurse. She sees death all the time. You know, it's it upsets her and when she sees the family's upset, she'll, you know, she'll cry or she'll be upset, but it's something that's part of her job and something that she's been trained to deal with over the 20 years of her career. Whereas me, if a computer dies, I move on to the next computer. It's not a big deal. And so I'm I'm not very good with my own mortality or the mortality of anybody else that, you know, I have feelings for even just a little bit. So this week has been really difficult for me because, I mean, I'm just going to flat out say it. Carrie Fisher was my first love. She was the first person outside my family that I had emotional connection, love for. I was a little boy 
So, you know, I didn't know what that feeling was, but looking back and, and being a father and, and how my daughter is and seeing how she is with things, you know, I can, I can seriously say that she was absolutely my first love. My second love was Olivia Newton-John. So that tells you how old I am. And that you have fantastic taste. <laughs> Thank you. I do. Um, yeah. I just, uh, this week has been difficult as it is for everybody else, but I have to say all the pictures that I've seen on Instagram and, and the posts I've seen on Facebook and, and Twitter, social media, for, this is the first time in the history of social media that it actually has helped me instead of hindered me. I mean, I've always loved social media, but it is kind of this the scourge of the earth. It's the lowest common denominator most of the time. Who who can say the snarkiest comment faster? But in this instance, uh, seeing all the love, all the stories, uh, everybody sharing their experiences with Carrie Fisher uh, has actually helped me this week. And I didn't want to record this episode. If you can hear it in my voice. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm still very worked up about it, but... Um, Got a lot of texts from people this week. Uh, a lot of people uh, emailed in to the show asking for us, like, hey, that must have been really hard to even consider talking about Rogue One after finding out right then and there while you were recording the episode. And it was. And, you know, I apologize for if, us just losing our minds. But uh, a lot of people wanted to hear us talk about this tonight. And um, so that's why we're here. And if somebody would stop me from mumbling, I would appreciate it. What was that? I don't know. Uh, that was that was my Japanese Jar Jar Binks toy. Oh, okay. Well, Holly, you're the new host. How would you like Uh-oh. to begin this this discussion of Carrie Fisher and her life and and Princess Leia? Uh, well, one thing I would like to say out of the gate, aside from specifics about her life, is that I know uh, I have, as you, seen a lot of really lovely sentiments on social media, but there has also been that weird thing that always happens where there's always a little bit of backlash like i have had a few acquaintances say things along the lines of like i don't understand why people are mourning a celebrity they're not in your life this is ridiculous you're devaluing people with real loss i I think that's horseshit. i concur um you know i i i get it like for people that have had maybe very personal loss in the recent past it it can be I don't know, jarring. It's certainly not intended to be insulting, although I I think some people have taken it that way for people to be so vocal about losing someone that is not part of their day-to-day lives. Um, And I I understand that it's coming from a place of pain to make that criticism that, no, you shouldn't. I don't understand why you're so worked up over this famous person. Yeah, I mean, you have people all the time. Mariana's one friend just found out that her dad has complete stage four cancer that metastasized everywhere. They just found out about it. And he's, he's essentially done. And, you know, for somebody talking about a celebrity that they may have met a few times or didn't even meet, they just seen him in a movie, I guess to that person with the anger and the pain that they have, they could backlash about that. I think the thing to help that maybe maybe some of those people understand where we're coming from, not not that I would discount their feelings in any way, no. but the idea that like Star Wars for a lot of people is that place where we do go every day. Carrie Fisher is something that we've seen that we've been exposed to every day or every few days or every week or, um, you know, for me, star Wars was always a coping mechanism yeah. to help me through all the worst parts of my life. Comfort blanket. Yeah. And it, it helped, it helped me navigate through those things. And Carrie Fisher gone just feels it, it, it feels like there's just that absence in the world that something's not right. And, uh, so I understand that, that some people maybe don't get it, but the best we can do is either try to help them understand it or just not engage because it's not going to do anybody good, to, any good to, to argue about it. Right. Well, and it, it sort of becomes this weird and it's, it's certainly not the intention, but I think people feel like if you try to make your point of, no, here's why this is important. It starts to feel like you're having some sort of grief contest and that's certainly yeah. not the intent at all. Not at all. Um, and I, I, it's one of those things when I found out um, I was actually in a screening of Rogue One. I'd gone for, I think it was like my seventh time. And I was sitting there and there was just me uh, and three other people in the theater because uh, it was in the middle of the day when the news broke. And um, I was sitting kind of far back and my phone started going off literally like buzzing nonstop like it was set on vibrate and i was like this is very weird something must be going on normally i would never check my phone in a theater uh but i just opened my bag and peeked at it to see and i just saw like two texts and i knew immediately what was going on and then i um i sat through the movie and then i went out and uh sat in the parking lot and cried in my car uh, can, I, can i just ask you a question quick 
Yeah. So you have a different experience than many other people had. Um, so you see the uh, avatar of Princess Leia yeah. at the end of Rogue One, and, and you just found out that she passed. How did that, like that moment, did that just jar oh, you? Or? Uh, um, it was hard. I mean, I, I, I at that point, like when I found out, I was probably only 30 minutes into the movie. Um, and so I literally had that moment where I texted a few people back. I think Brian was one of them. And I said, I'm sitting in a movie theater watching Rogue One and I'm too much of a mess to leave. Like I knew yeah, that was me. Um uh I knew I should not go drive, which may sound over dramatic, but like when I'm crying is not when I should be behind the wheel. No. Um and so I literally was like, okay, what do I do for a minute? I was like, I can sit here and I can watch the rest of this knowing that the end of this movie is going to feel like getting stabbed or I can what go sit out in the lobby and make other people watch me cry. That's weird. I don't want to just go sit in my car. It's a little bit cold. I don't want to sit in my car until this passes. Cause I don't know how long that's going to be. So I just figured I would just sit there in the dark and try to process my feelings and, and uh, you know, take it as it, as it came at the end. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was in a way it was actually sort of good. Um, in that it kind of reminded me like, yes, this person is gone from the world, but her, her body of work is here forever. You know, I can go back to all of the things I loved about princess Leia anytime I want. I can read all of her books anytime I want. Uh, you know, I can watch the dozens of films that she worked on as a script doctor anytime I want and try to pick out which lines are hers. So in that way it was quite, nice um but it was it was very um the fact that you know the one thing she says in that as i'm sitting there falling apart in public being slightly embarrassed um is hope i was it it was a little bit of a double whammy i will say yeah. and i ended up i went out and i sat in my car and i kind of tweeted this thread about what was going on in my head and why she was so important to me and many other people i mean i certainly don't I don't think any of us would claim ownership over our, our grief as singular. Everybody was feeling very similar things, particularly in the, the Star Wars community. Um, and it stopped me if I'm rambling on too long about it. But I know for me, you know, it was one of those things where, um, like Brian, it was an escape for me growing up. And I always felt when I was a kid, and this is in no way intended to insinuate failing on anyone's part in my life, but I did not have any person and particularly any woman in my life that I felt like was my role model as a kid, which again is no failing. It's just, I was always kind of off center from my family and I didn't have somebody who was quite like me, you know, among my teachers or my, um, you know, any other sort of mentor state position that I quite connected to. And then when I was, and I just sort of, you know, found my way along. But then when Carrie Fisher's first book, which is postcards from the edge came out, I was 16 and I was, you know, had found my way through the world up to that point, but yeah. I was still a lost kid. I mean, most teenagers are still trying to figure it all out. And I remember reading that book and I had seen her on a press junket for it and her talking about, well, it's fictional, but it is also my life. Uh, and it was very revelatory for me. Because she was so honest about all of her, you know, demons in life. The fact that she struggled with addiction, the fact that she struggled with uh, mental illness. And it, it made her this sort of wonderfully imperfect, perfect person to me. Like that she was just so completely self-accepting and self-aware. It really like raised her to a level of, of uh, you know, kind of surrogate role model as a, a sort where she, you know, was a, a really good writer, really smart, had all of her flaws and was comfortable with them and comfortable with sharing them to help others. That was like a big part of it for me. Yeah, I think that's wonderful about that because you're not the only person that feels that way. And thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. Part of what you're saying, though, is that, like we all shared this sort of grief is part of why I was. I didn't want to talk. I don't know. I feel uncomfortable talking about it even on the show. Yeah. Um, like I got offers to go on TV and talk about it. And I was just like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like CNN got a hold of me and, and I just didn't feel comfortable doing that because I didn't feel like I could be a spokesperson for any of this sort of grief. And I mean, 
because I shared a stage with her uh, once at Salt Lake Comic Con a couple years ago, I have had more people asking, like, hey, are you okay? You had a way closer connection to her than any of us did because of that. And I won't lie, like, there's some part of me that will never, ever forget, like, having Princess Leia look me straight in the eyes as we're having a conversation. And, like, the eyes she has for Han in all of those close-ups, that's just how she looks at people. Yeah. Um, And so that was, I mean, that was like a life-changing experience for me. But to talk about it, especially in a public forum, like the news on the day it happened, I just didn't think that was not my job. And I was, I was really upset at the idea that people were worried about what was going to happen with episode nine. Yeah. I was so upset about that because that was my last concern. The people who work at Lucasfilm are fans like us and they're fans like us, but they also like interact with, with people like Carrie Fisher. Like they know her, they've met her, they've been doing stuff with her since star Wars was a thing. And so to try to intrude on their grief to ask like, Hey, what's going on with episode nine? Yes. Felt super tacky to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it also sort of betrays the trust that they've earned, frankly, that they will do the best thing for Star Wars. I, right? I have no doubt about that. So for anybody who's nervous about what might happen because of Carrie Fisher's passing, don't worry about it. It's not your job to worry about it. It's their job to worry about it and let them get through their their grief process before they even start trying to figure out how to do it. Yeah, I, I that, was, that was the only negative stuff that I saw online. After she passed, is that Tuesday? This week has been a blur. Yeah. It was the, well, what's going to happen with episode eight or episode nine or what's going to happen with this? And and I just, you know, I simply said that, you know, there's bigger things to worry about, that that's, that's my least concern. I think for me, you know, it, it's, it's, like I said, it's been a tough week and I, I'm not trying to overdo it in, in any way. And I agree with you, Brian. I didn't really, really wanted to do this show when the girls were leaving to go to, Anya's junior bowling league this morning, I said, you know, I really don't want to do this show. And Ariana's like, well, you know, it will be good for you. It'll be good for Holly and Brian. It will be good for the listeners. You've had a lot of people contact you saying that they wanted to, you know, hear your guys' thoughts and your guys. I love saying that. And um, so, you know, I, I feel like as far as a public forum goes, like, and this is not a knock on anybody who did go on TV or who did, you know, get interviewed that day or the day after or whatever. For me, I couldn't do something like that because I don't want to make it about me. It's not about me. Um, it's about everybody else. It's about her family. And, and, and sadly then her mom died the next day. I mean, so just this week was just one pound after another, but the hardest thing for me, the point I'm trying to get out of my, my brain has been like the little ones in my life. Anya, um, Anya's role model, her first role model is it was princess Leia. And, my um, niece Madison, who who just turned six, she's huge, huge Star Wars fan for somebody that age. And um, after we got done doing the show, we went to go play basketball because Anya's practices aren't happening this week because of the break. So we went up to the college and, and played. And um, I was sitting on the floor tying my shoes, talking to Madison again. She's six. And she said, did you, did you hear Princess Leia died? And I said, yes, it was very sad. And, and, you know, she was just telling me just little things about why she liked Princess Leia. She even had a little Princess Leia uh, action figure in her pocket. And um, she said that she's sad that she she's not here anymore. And I said, well, that's not true, Madison. I said, you have her on all your movies and you have your, your dolls and you have memories and, and she'll, she'll always be here. She'll, you'll always, you'll always be able to see her. And um, so it's kind of hard to explain that to, to a little one, but I could see, and I'm not patting myself on the back. I don't want to pop my shoulder out by being so amazing, but I could see that it did It did help her because her dad and her mom, my sister, texted me later in the day and said that she was much better after talking to me about it. And I'm glad that that helped because I was I'm still tr- struggling with it. I, I've met Carrie in, in person twice. Um, once she threw glitter in my face so bad that I couldn't see because it was stuck in my eyes. And the next time she apologized for it and she gave me a kiss on the cheek for it. And that just... Just saying that makes my eyes well up. Um, Anya, I put a post up. I just did a quick Google search that day for, you know, Leia, just simply Leia. And it's just a bunch of pictures of Princess Leia. 
And I thought that that was really cool because that word in our language is associated with, you know, Star Wars and, and Carrie Fisher. And I said that, um, you know, it's just going to be hard. I forget exactly what the post was. But then Anya, who doesn't really post on social media, she doesn't really respond on Instagram or anything like that. She put a post up. This, uh, this is what comes up when you do a Google search, a Google image search for simply the name Leia. Carrie Fisher was the only princess in my galaxy until my princess Anya was born. Uh, we were recording full Sith when we heard the news and had to wrap it up because we just didn't have any anything coherent to say. As a person, she was kind, strong, hilarious, a total wild card, and someone we could all learn something from. I'm wholly bummed and will miss uh, Carrie deep, deeply. And then Anya posted on that as a, chi- a child growing up watching her, which just made me laugh because she's still a child. Uh, as a child growing up watching her, I will miss her so. She was an amazing, awesome woman. And so for me, all that that I just said was the roundabout way to say that, you know, I was thinking, I'm thinking of, you know, the younger kids that have never dealt with any kind of death that they, of somebody important to them, whether it be in real life or in person. And um, I just think it was responsible that, that, and I've seen a lot of fathers and a lot of mothers do this. So online they were talking about it. I think it's smart to talk to your kids about something like this. Do you disagree, Brian? You have four kids or three kids? No, I mean, kids. Um, yeah. What does Mike know that we don't? Yeah, no, I, I, um, uh, Anakin was a little bummed about it. Scout uh, was fairly nonplussed, but Scout's thirteen and is nonplussed about everything right now. <laughs> yeah, um, and I'm using that word wrong, but I'm using it the way everybody thinks it should be used, so that's okay. <laughs> um, I knew you'd appreciate that, Holly. Thank you. Uh, I um, I would say um, I, I want to talk about Princess Leia as a character, but before we do that. Um, I would tell people, I would invite people to go back to Full of Sith 135 and listen to that interview I got to do with her. If you just want to smile and laugh because she's just, she was out of her mind in all the best ways. Yeah. And yeah. It, it was a great, it was a great interview. I'm so happy for you that you got to do that. That's something that you'll never forget. No, I, it was 12 of the most bizarre minutes of my life. <laughs> No, about about Princess Leia herself, though. I'm curious about, like, you know, we're we're doing a Star Wars podcast. Um, what are your favorite Princess Leia moments? What is it that made her in the movie? And what is it that made Carrie Fisher's performance so transcendent to that um, important to you? Holly, you want to go first? Sure. Um, you don't sound, like, convinced. No, no I'm trying to, you know... Uh, sift through the file in my head because I I love everything about Princess Leia. Uh, you know, I I almost have to separate it out into films, into each film. Um, in A New Hope, it was just wonderful, you know, as a kid to see this woman who was very young. She still had, you know, kind of a baby face and looked like a kid, which is why I think so many young girls really attached to her. It was like, she's kind of like one of us, but a little older. Uh, just being, you know, incredibly strong and smart. And I I always was struck and continue to be, and, it, and now it seems extra poignant, uh, when they get to the, the rebel base after they have uh, escaped the Death Star and they're running around and her line where she says, we have no time for our sorrows, Commander. And I always thought, damn, that is a really strong person uh, who can, you know, sort of acknowledge but put aside the grief that they would undoubtedly feel if everything they knew and loved had been taken away in an instant uh, and just keep going and be strong. Uh, I feel like Empire is one whole long arc kind of of that. Uh, and of course, I mean, I, I'm like everybody else. It's a little trite, but the whole I love you, I know exchange in both Empire and then the reversal in Jedi are, are so magical oh, to me. So amazing. Uh, you know, I remember when I first saw Jedi in that reversal moment and I was like, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just and again, I think Brian hit on it when he he mentioned, you know, the look in her eyes that she gives to camera at any given time when she is looking at at Han or at anyone it turned out in life such like depth and soulfulness that was both beautiful and inviting you know she had that strength that didn't make you scared of her like she had a strength that was very warm and inviting as Princess Leia which was what I think the huge appeal was 
Ryan, I want to just quickly go back to the article that you wrote uh, the other day and ended it off with the last words we heard were hope. And I think that that was, that was actually very comforting at at the time too. Um, for me throughout the movies, I get, I'm going to kind of mirror what Holly says. You have this um, younger, beautiful woman and not just on the outside, on the inside as well. You can see that through her, her caring and her compassion and her, her love throughout the the movies. Um, I, I love the, the, the first scene with, with Vader and Tarkin. Um, when Alderaan gets destroyed, um, she lost everything and she still had to be that figurehead. She had to be strong for everybody else. So throughout the saga, how much pain did Princess Leia endure? I mean, leading up even to episode seven with losing Han and um, essentially losing her son in the process too. Um, so much that she had to, to endure, but she was still strong for everybody. Uh, the, we're going to talk about the same scenes over and over because it, it embodies her work within Star Wars. Uh, the I love you, I know moment. Um <laughs> You know, as far as the list of Star Wars movies and my favorites go, Jedi is not near the top of the list, but her interacting with the Ewoks. The Ewoks of all people, Brian. I love Ewoks. <laughs> I don't know what your deal is. <laughs> uh, just her her kindness fact, to, that, to I the Ewoks. Watched, I mean, go ahead. I'm I sorry. showed Valkyrie the Caravan of Courage yesterday, actually. How'd she like it? Oh, she loved it, man. It was great. Yeah. Um, she's 18 months old or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> I think for me, one of the moments is actually we all admire her strength so much, but when she shows vulnerability, it's actually more powerful too. Um, you know, there is this idea that if you're showing strength, you can't show vulnerability at all. And a lot of that plays into like toxic masculinity and stuff. But for women who need to be like strong, like showing that vulnerability can be twice as much of a weakness, right? Yeah. And so for me, those moments where she does show that, especially in Return of the Jedi, um, really mean a lot to me. Um, you go look at the scene where Luke is telling her about Vader being his father and then her being his sister. I know a lot of people give that scene a lot of grief, but I don't think they should because that scene has so much emotion and atmosphere packed into it and it says so much and these characters are having such a deep realization about who they are that's shaking them to their very foundation and leia is here confessing to luke i'm not strong enough to do what you do and luke just laughs at her almost you know that everybody believed in her that much yeah um i really love that scene and and i really love there's there's other scenes too where you can tell like in empire that Han leaving is actually going to bug her, even though she doesn't want to admit it. And that's, what's so frustrating about Han is because he knows this <laughs> and he just wants to push her buttons, even though she can't show that vulnerability. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of those moments about her showing her vulnerability is in the cockpit of the millennium Falcon uh, where they go to kiss and then CP C3PO, you know, as always ruins the moment. And then she kind of just slides away you know, because she gets herself under control again. And, and I always liked that scene. I liked the deleted scenes from empire too, with her and, and Harrison Ford. Was, was that her getting herself back into control or was that her escaping a creepy situation? I would think it was her getting herself back into control. Yeah. Yeah. Han did kind of back her into a corner. Well, sure. But this is the movies and that's kind of romantic back then. So <laughs> I don't know. Hollywood, Holly, where do you come down on this? I'm I'm a little bit with Mike on this one because she didn't uh, while she was saying like, no, no, I don't like you. Um, there was definitely, you know, romantic chemistry between them. And I think she didn't necessarily want to pursue that, but she kind of let it get the, the best of her for a moment. Yeah. Like that was her moment of I don't know that I want to call it weakness per se, but that was her moment of like giving in to something that she normally would say, I don't have time for this. We have to be focused on our mission. And so I think Mike is right. It's like that moment of, Oh, okay. I'm, I'm actually pretty glad C3PO just came in. Cause that could, that could have gone somewhere. I didn't want it to go to. What do you think, Brian? I don't know. I think Han Solo was in a position of power. What was she going to like? There was nowhere for her to, to escape. They were on his ship. Like maybe she was just like, well, no, I mean, I guess it all bears out that she was, actually interested in him even though she said she wasn't 
when she confesses her love to him like 20 minutes later. She was scrappy. She could have taken him, first of all. Second of all, you know, that that whole conflict within her with Han, you know, uh, as lame as this might sound, that taught me a lot about love. It taught me a lot about how, you know, when I was younger and there's young ladies in my life, my wife was one of them. You just started teasing them? Well, I, yeah. I didn't I didn't know that they liked me. I, looking back and, and seeing my interactions with Ariana when we were teenagers, kind of was the same thing i I thought that she just thought i was disgusting and vile but you know that was just how she was so it did it helped me understand um the the relationships between people and that what's said isn't necessarily what's absolutely true we we all we all hide something from other people especially the other the other people that we care about or we have interest in i'm really curious about carrie fisher's polished drafts like she did some script doctoring work for all the prequels and I'm wondering what lines of hers made it through the final movies. Yeah, I did a little bit of digging uh, last night to prep for this. And uh, nobody seems to n- know, at least not not publicly, that's been stated, uh, which is kind of interesting. Well, um, I asked her about it in my interview, and she was just, she was like, yeah, I did that. And then she just started talking about taking Indiana Jones's virginity. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm, I, I'm, I'd be fascinated. To know more about that. Me too. I mean, if you had to pick a line from the prequels that sounds very Carrie Fisher, would you be able to pick one out? I I don't know. And I, I'll tell you why. I know in a lot of cases, and I don't know that this was the case for the prequels, but in a lot of cases, her script doctoring work was to uh, primarily focus on punching up the the women in any given piece. Uh, like her, her sort of ethos that she mentioned in an interview once was that her job was to make the women smarter and the love scenes better. Um, so she's probably got her fingerprints all over that fireplace scene. I love so much. Maybe. I don't know. That would make that scene even better. I don't know. I think, and I am probably a hundred percent wrong, but the, the scene with Anakin and Padme on Mustafar with Anakin, you're breaking my heart. I don't know. I just feel that feels like that could be one of those lines. But then I think of um, like if uh, there's part of me that thinks if anybody could have written Anakin's various quips, that might be her. Any of the smart alecky stuff, I'm like, oh, it could be Carrie Fisher. Uh, yeah. So I don't, I don't know. No, I would be interested. I would really love. I've been begging and begging and begging every time I see anyone who might have a say in it that I want like making of the prequels books that are as in depth as Rinsler's books about the classic trilogy. And I think that that's probably the only way we're going to get to the bottom of that because whoever is writing that would have access to all of those drafts and all of those bits of material. Yeah. And I, and I think that's a story people want to know about. I certainly do. As far as, Leia goes though how do we feel about her like I really I'm part of what makes this so hard is because Leia was Leia was always interesting but in this new era she really kind of came into her own in a, in a, a, a different way in a way I didn't expect right she's general Leia now yeah um bloodline was fantastic she'll always be royalty to me um and she was able to like age with this dignity in a way you don't see Hollywood heroines able to do. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I really, I'm, I can't wait to see what moments Ryan Johnson gives, gives, gives us of her because her character's almost more interesting now than it was then. Uh, well, I mean, she has a lifetime of experience, yeah. right? Any, I mean, to me, anybody who is, you know, in in their mature years is usually more interesting than they are when they're in their teens and 20s. Uh, it's a different kind of interesting, you know what I mean? But it's just like the fullness of experience adds a great deal to the, the story in any, in, I mean, in real life or fiction. Yeah, and she has a, she has a, a life of chaos. She has a life of uh, sadness and death and disappointment and fight. And now, you know, she is the figurehead of everything. And... Everybody requires her attention and far more interesting. Uh, the, there was a point that I wanted to make 
for me, and I've, I went back and watched it over this week since I've been off the um, episode seven, uh, the embrace with Han and, and, you know, bring back our son. Uh, I'm really happy that we got to see, I, you know, Han Solo died and it was very sad and, but I'm, I'm really glad that we got, we got that now. Like initially I was like, well, that's really nice because she lost Han and at least she had that moment. But now at least we have that moment with her too. And when, when that scene came up, it kind of, kind of choked me up to think about everything that was going on. Yeah. No, I wonder, I don't know. I really wanted, I was dying to see how the conflict between Kylo Ren and his mother played out. I'm wondering how much of, of that we'll get in episode eight. We'll see. Well, got about 11 months or so. Ugh. It seems not fair. We should just have it now. Why can't it just be now? (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm not emotionally tall enough to ride that ride right now. I think I agree with Holly on that. Um, I I don't think I could handle it. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's really, I have thought some about what it's going to be like to sit in that theater and and watch her on screen in a new thing after she's gone. Um, This will sound weird, but one of the things that I sort of found myself melancholy about is that we aside from seeing her on screen, we'll miss her during press junket. Yeah. She's so phenomenally funny. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I I imagine no matter how that narrative plays out, it's going to, the first time around, I'm probably going to miss a lot of stuff because I mean, be, you know, the, I feel that way every time I watch a star Wars movie (laughs) for the first time. Oh, me too. That's why any opening night I book two screenings. Like we do a seven and then a ten. That's genius. Um, although it it backfired on me with uh, Rogue One because I was super tired during the ten, and I was like, I gotta stay awake. I gotta stay awake. Uh, but we managed. But yeah, so for episode eight, I'm sure <laughs> there's gonna be like this grief overlay the first time around that's gonna block out a lot of other things. You know, the other thing though is, and I know we're talking about real life versus movie life. But for a young Star Wars fan, not just any Star Wars fan, but especially for a young Star Wars fan. So we have Rogue One where everybody we fell in love with passes away and we lost Han. And now in real life, we lost Carrie Fisher. Princess Leia is now, like I said, with Madison and even with Anya. I mean, they in the past, what, 20 days, there's been a lot of loss over characters that you had a connection to or, or that you cared about. That, that's kind of difficult. I, I would. I mean, it's difficult for me. I'm 41 years old. I mean, yeah. how do you guys feel about that? Uh, about kids dealing with it? No, just just all the loss that we've had in oh. the last 20 well, days of Star Wars characters. The thing that comes to mind is actually funny and not having to do with. Well, that's fine. <laughs> Whatever comes it, to your mind, Holly. I think we could all use some levity. But um, so I went. One of the times I've seen it, I went with a very dear friend of mine who is a wonderful, super smart person. And she likes Star Wars, but she's not like a a huge Star Wars fan. You know what I mean? She doesn't like live for it. And I tease her mercilessly that she has this pop culture blind spot. Like she can't really, she just doesn't like, you know, she's not one of those people who remembers, you know, everything an actor's been in or whatever. So we sat through Rogue One. And we, um, it ended and I turned and I said, did you enjoy it? And she said, yeah, I really liked it. I'm surprised they killed everyone off. And I said, well, you know, they kind of have to going into the next one. We know they don't get mentioned anymore. She goes, yeah, but don't they have to make another movie? <laughs> like she had bless her heart. It sounds like I'm mocking her and I'm not because I kind of love it. It's a good reminder that not everybody lives in this universe all the time. Yeah. She thought this was the one she thought this was like episode eight. <laughs> She's like, well, I didn't recognize anybody, but I thought I just forgot what the actors looked like. <laughs> so I will have to say, so when we sat down to watch Rogue One the first time, Scout's like, so wait a second, there's a new actress playing Ray, And I was like, yeah, I was like, Scout, you live in my house. <laughs> like, haven't you absorbed all of this by osmosis yet? And she's like, no. I was like, so no, this is this is not episode eight. This is set before. Episode four, this is about the people who steal the Death Star plan. She goes, oh, okay, that makes sense. But for that second, she was like, she thought we were strapping in for the continuation of Force Awakens. Yeah, yeah, as did my friend, who was just like, I just thought I didn't remember very much of it. 
<laughs> which was kind of lovely. I'm like, no, no, well, well, it was pretty cute. You know, there was a that's a big thing that watching a movie with a bunch of different people that weren't, you know, nuts about this as we are, um, had had issues with Rogue One and and Episode Seven and where they're placed as far as the timeline goes and how is this person here and what happened, you know. Um, I'm glad that people actually, a lot of them actually tried to find the information themselves instead of just figuring that's the way it was. So Yeah. 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 But uh, to go back to all of the loss in Star Wars, I don't, I, I don't know. In some ways, I imagine like Rogue One and, you know, all of the fictional losses of it. I mean, I, I don't know that people are going and seeing it over and over like, I am, and I know Brian is, uh, but it almost kind of like well, I had six yesterday. I, I feel like it's almost prepared us a little bit for real life loss in some ways. You know what I mean? Like you're kind of already in that headspace of figuring out how to how to cope with things, even you know if it's fictional and you you know it's not a real person that is dying. It's still you know we feel the grief of of fiction. That's part of why theater and film is important. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think in in some ways it it maybe gave us a little bit of groundwork to cope with the reality that unfolded. Yeah, I, I just climb talking, you know, just talking about yeah, climb. I just, you know, I brought the brought the, the topic up. And, and I guess for me is, you know, it's easy to I mean, in, in Carrie Fisher's instance is Princess Leia. It's, you know, like I told many, she's always going to be there. And and you see death in a movie all the time. And, you know, like in the back of your mind, the person didn't die. I mean, as a little kid. Uh, I would imagine when I was a little kid, when I saw somebody die on screen, I was worried that they were gone forever. Um, and so this is where real life and and fake life, you know, could be confusing. And even to me, like I said, as an as an adult, I don't. Know, I just I struggle with it sometimes. And maybe I sound like a complete moron, but it's just I don't know. It's it's it's, it's difficult. I, I'm not trying to over overshoot well, it. It's just I, I guess the 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 problem is is that in art and drama, deaths are always meaningful. There's very rarely a movie where someone's death is just like, wow, that didn't affect anything in any way and was kind of pointless. <laughs> um, like in Rogue One, everyone died as a sacrifice. Like there was no person there who said, like, I'm going to die and it's not going to mean anything and the greater good won't be served. Well, they did it because of what they believed in. Yeah. And yeah. we saw like the the fruits of what they 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 bore. Like we get to see that the rebellion does eventually. um overtake the empire and, and restore freedom to the galaxy. But when you try to apply that to like Carrie Fisher, like what was the point of that? It feels like a waste. It's so like coincidental and accidental, you know, like it's just like, well, she's gone. And, and it, I don't know. I find it hard to apply the dealings one, of man. grief from something like rogue one to something like that, because I always go back to the, uh, the the Kurt Vonnegut thing where he used to put in the beginning of some of his books, uh, you know how you get that disclaimer about how any similarities to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Mm -hmm. He used to put all persons living or dead are purely coincidental. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it, it's certainly, it, it certainly prepared my gut for having, you know, getting punched a lot. But you know, the other thing is, is when I hear that somebody, an older actor passes away at 92 years old. They lived a long, a good life. They, you know, that's more than anybody could hope for getting over 75 years old. And for her, for her to pass at 60, being younger than my parents, who I consider very young. Um, but yeah, it's pointless. It's painful. It's pointless. It doesn't make sense. And, and that's why people are always left, you know, having to deal with that, having to uh, make sense of that. I mean, my hope is that, and I certainly have seen it discussed among friends and particularly women friends that uh, they are reminded of what an amazing life she led. I don't know if you saw the thing that was going around um, that was written by one of her assistants. Uh, And I don't think he has been her assistant for a while, but he talked about how like if ever there was a human being that lived their life to the fullest, that went out and had every experience they could. It was her. I'd love to um, read that. I will try to find it because um, one of my friends shared it and I'll try to find it and send it to you. Thank it's you. really lovely tribute and it, it encompasses, you know, her hilarious way of dealing with the world and, and her joie de vivre and sort of everything that we've ever thought about her. And he really does sum up with saying like everything you ever thought about 
who she is is actually quite accurate, uh, which is quite lovely. But to me, uh, I know a lot of people have talked about how hearing more about her life that's come out in, in tributes like that is really quite inspiring. So while it may not make sense in the, the bigger narrative and it may not, you know, in the the way that a a fictional um, death would, because it's written that way, I think there's still an opportunity to take meaning and potentially action in your day-to-day life uh, as, as a sort of lovely tribute to her. I think, I think that there is definitely something inspiring about her life. Uh, whether that 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 light has been extinguished or not uh, in that she she lived so unapologetically with her mental health issues and led a very active, vibrant life uh, in spite of them and almost to spite them and held that up as an example to say, like, you know, I don't know if you saw the last column she wrote. Um, I think it's The Guardian had her doing an advice column. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. And her her last column to somebody was like, listen, being bipolar is really hard. You're trying to juggle going to college and have a life and be bipolar. I'm going to tell you, you're one step ahead of me because I quit school and ran away from home. Like, yeah, because I was bipolar, like I couldn't deal with it. So you're like two steps ahead of me and how she was very forthcoming with that sort of thing i think that's something that we need especially in a time where mental health is not talked about or something that's um i don't think a lot of people take it as a real thing i think people just think it's you know well i mean it's easy to think it's not a real thing when your insurance won't cover it because (laughs) it's not actual medicine or uh it's not physical so it's just mentally you just need to get over it like it's we live in a culture that says no, you should just get over it, suck it up and get over it, you know, uh, and, and. Or pump yourself up with pills where you're not you, who you are anymore. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's weird. Like you look at, at, at sort of the, I don't know that she was able to lead the life she did and lead as an example, the way she was, I think is is very, very inspiring. She was a wonderful example. She destigmatized mental illness for a lot of people. You know, it's one thing, to know someone who is dealing with that and going about it uh, or in many cases people don't, or they don't recognize that that's what's going on, but to have someone who has a platform of being, you know, a household name say, no, bipolar disorder is a real thing. Here's what it's like. It's terrifying, but you can cope with it. That was a really big thing. Um, You know, it's one of those things that I think we are also dealing with the death of course of her mother and I, I get the feeling that was probably instilled in her by Debbie Reynolds. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know if you guys know that Debbie Reynolds was really one of the first celebrities who was willing to work uh, and to lend her talents to AIDS benefits. Yeah. You know, their whole family was about kind of destigmatizing things and helping people, which like the kindness of Carrie Fisher is something that doesn't always get talked about. But she she really made an effort to be kind to people, which is not something everyone does and certainly not something people in that position of you know true privilege i mean being famous affords you certain levels of privilege and you can easily disconnect from other people but she never did which i think is really a testament to her character let's switch gears a little bit because we're running out of time and talk about princess leia um for me i've always loved you know i love that moment where Yoda and Obi-Wan are talking and they say there is another and they that Leia would be the other one that could be the hope, could be the, the person that could save everybody. I've always loved that they didn't go the route that we saw Leia with a lightsaber and not because she was a woman. I'm, that's not what I'm saying at all. I love that they they developed her character so much that she was able to feel through the Force and she was able to have an understanding of that and that they didn't go into that they didn't fall to the pressure of people wanting to see her the same as Luke, if, if, if I'm making any sense whatsoever. How do you feel the original trilogy would have been if Leia, just like Luke, you know, got Jedi training and then there were two? I mean, do you think uh, the way uh, Luke interacts with Vader and believes in him being good, do you think Leia would have gone the same route? Do you think Leia would have handled it differently? I mean, have you ever thought of that? I'm kind of glad that 
that Leia didn't go the same route as Luke, to be honest. Yeah. I think that, that, that she went her own path, even when, you know, the Jedi and everyone else said, Hey, you should probably do this. You know, even Luke was, was intent to do that. Like, I think, uh, it, it, it said a lot about her. I I think it added more to her because she has gone so far and has done so much for the rebellion and for people throughout the galaxy that she was doing it, not with all these mythical and incredible Jedi, you know, um, skills. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love that she didn't, I like that, you know, while Luke was doing his whole, you know, I'm going to learn this, I'm going to confront evil in the form of Vader. She's like, that's great. My fight is confronting evil on a military level. I'm going to do that. Like it, it to me again, spoke so much to the character's strength. Like that's not my path. And I know that. And that's fine. You keep doing that. I'm going to do this. We all have jobs to do. Yeah. I love her, her sass and her strength with both Tarkin and Vader. Um, Yeah. She doesn't, you know, crumble to the pressure. Uh, I, one of my favorite scenes in star Wars is uh, when she, I can't think of the the line in the moment. I'm sure Brian does what she calls Tarkin, and he just says, "Ah, charming to the last." I love that scene. I love how she just basically spits in his face. I should have re- recognized your foul stench when I was brought on board. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great scene. No, that is that is one of my favorite scenes, and and that entire movie, her every interaction she has with them, every bit of defiance is heightened by Rogue One. Yeah, because she knows that they know. You know. Yeah. And can I, I, I worked something out in my head this morning and maybe it's obvious, but I've had so many people asking why Princess Leia was sending the plans to Alderaan, uh, to her father. Yeah. And it's pretty obvious when you think about it, she couldn't just tell the droid like, Hey, our secret base is on Yavin four. Right. Have these sent directly there. Because she was literally putting that droid in an escape pod and sending it down to a dirt planet and hoping that no one caught up to it before the droid, beyond all reason, found Obi-Wan Kenobi, who may or may not still be alive down there. Yeah, like you don't knows. just you don't just put your secret base right in the middle of a me- a message like that. It was risky enough. And 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 that actually says a lot about the risk the the Organas we're we're willing to take um that uh that that uh she would out her father so blatantly like that mm. yeah they they put the cause over personal interest at every turn yeah <sighs> now is there any other topics that you wanted to discuss brian no i i i don't know I hope the people f- haven't found this episode too rambly. It certainly did didn't get as uh, teary eyed as I expected, but that's okay. I think we had a few days to think about it and process it. And... Yeah, yeah, I'm an ugly crier. Nobody wants that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I came across this uh, lovely quote of hers last night while I was reading up. And it's from a 2008 Newsweek interview that she did. And it just struck me as so sort of perfect and lovely that I wanted to share it, if that is cool with you. Yes, absolutely. And she mentioned, uh, she said, being happy isn't getting what you want. It's wanting what you have. And I just thought that was so lovely. It is. Thank you for sharing that. The only other thought I had before we go is, you know, we're talking about characters that have been around my whole life, around your whole life, Brian, around your whole life. They've been there forever. And, and there's not a lot of, I mean, Star Trek in a way has that when Leonard Nimoy passed, I mean, people felt the, the exact same way. I mean, here's a character that's meant a lot of people. And he's been there in our lives forever. And um, I just, I guess that that's, it, it's brings up, you know, your own mortality and, and the obviousness of what life is, is we're here and then we're gone. And um, to the people that were, who don't understand or who don't get why other people are upset about somebody that they may have never met in person or met a few times or had a, a long intimate relationship with that when you lose somebody that, you know, your entire life, like I, I hear people all the time that I've been doing podcasting 11 years and they're like, Oh, you're just like a very good friend. I know everything about you. I, I love your family. I've never met you in person, but you know, um, 
I have this connection with you and I thank you for your, your body of work and always being there is something I can, you know, escape to. And and it, to me, it's, it's, it's the same way. And it's been a lifelong thing. And I'm so thankful for the time that I've, the, the short time I've gotten to spend with Carrie Fisher in person. I am so thankful for what she has offered to us, not only as, you know, just an actress in, in a, a series of movies that we, we enjoy, but just uh, her, what she has contributed to mankind. And I don't care if somebody thinks that, that, that that's lame or it's over human, it. human kind, yeah. please. Sorry to, to humankind. I, I just, I'm, I'm so thankful that we had this person in our life and, um, um, I've read her, her first book. I would like to read the princess was a princess diarist. Is that the name of the new book? Yeah. 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 I have that coming. I, I ordered that on Amazon. I would love to read that. I was uh, going to get it anyway. And now I, now I really want to do, but I, I am, I'm just, I'm thankful for the time we had. I wish we had more. Uh, I would certainly miss her and want to wrap up here with final thoughts. Uh, I will say if you like the princess diarist or if other people are, are uh, curious about it, if you do audiobooks, she reads the audiobook for that one, and it's fantastic. Uh, it is awesome. Uh, and it was one of the things that I had been listening to in recent months. Just, you know, we have been in a, a cultural constant state of upheaval that's very stressful. And that has been one of the things that's kind of like soothed me when I've been in a, a terrible mood. So I highly recommend it because she's just as hilarious and delightful as ever. Yeah. And there, this is, they're not a sponsor of us. So I'm not saying this for sponsorship reasons, but I believe I saw an ad two days ago that if you become, you know, you become a member of audible, you can actually get that audiobook for free. Uh, if people were interested, I don't know. Brian. Yeah. No, I, I think, um, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I think that's why I didn't want to go on the news or anything. Um, I would just encourage people like if, I don't know. Go back and listen to that interview I did with her and just laugh. I think she was probably the most irrepressibly funny and humorous person. And if we weren't laughing about something that had to do with her, I don't think she'd be very happy about it. <laughs> yeah. um, and and go back and think about like the adversity she had to go through in order to even just be in Star Wars in the first place. And I wonder, I'll ask, I'll ask you both this question. I'll close with this question for the both of you. I watched her uh, her AFI honoring speech of George Lucas and even her cameo in Scream 3 that she just like, she was script doctoring that yeah. and decided to just write herself in. Mm -hmm. She kept saying that Carrie Fisher got the part in Star Wars because she slept with the director. Yeah. Do you two actually think that she slept with George Lucas to get the part? Because I'm of the opinion that she probably slept with everyone but George Lucas, which is why she's so vocally hilarious about it. Uh, you should read The Princess Diarist. And no, I don't think so. I would say that I, like I said a few minutes ago, I am, I am going to be re reading that. And I, I just, I don't believe that. I don't. I think that he fell in love with her like everybody else did and thought that she was perfect for the role. And she was. I, I just think it's fine. I, it, it didn't I, matter I, to me one, one way if she had. I think her as a person, I think that she has been over the top about that because it's hilarious to her. And... She had a great sense right. of humor. And she liked messing with people. I think that that's, that's her in a Agreed. nutshell. Agreed. I think that's her joke because it is such an absurd notion. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that is funny. Uh, <laughs> yep. I hope, I hope that this helped. I hope that uh, this is what people were hoping to hear. I hope that, uh, I hope. Right, Brian? Um, yeah. If you want to uh, find Brian and the things that he does, he'll tell you right now where you can do that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Swankmatron. You can find me on Patreon, writing short stories at patreon.com forward slash Swankmatron. And you can find my fiction at, at brianyoungfiction.com. And I'm reviewing Rebels and keeping up with Star Wars news at bigshinyrobot.com and other places across the internet. And uh, you can read my writing at starwars.com. It's a lot of websites. I don't do anything tangible anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Holly? Uh, uh, I can be found on Twitter at surliest girl. I am also, uh, of course you could go to mistinhistory.com and find all of that stuff. Uh, Brian and I of course also have Fothentics, right. uh, which is at Fothentics on Twitter. Uh, if you're really, really bored on an afternoon and want to look at stuff I sew, you can go to my sewing blog, <laughs> which is so sew-nerdy.com. I have not updated it in a while. Your Sidonithano dress was so good. Oh, 
Yay! Um, yeah, I actually haven't put that on SoNerdy.com. Oh, but... you haven't? No, I've I've shared it on social, but not on not on that. When I was when I was in San Francisco, I was having lunch with Matt Martin, and we just like we looked up a whole bunch of pictures of your dresses, and we're just giggling about them. <laughs> <laughs> I like a custom dress. It's true. We're like who who makes a a crimson corsair dress, but Holly? Me? Me? Surely someone else would, but. Well, you're the skillful one. So uh, I want to thank uh, Holly for, for joining our family here officially. I mean, you've been part of the family for a while, but um, really happy for and excited for our future in this next year, 2017. As we record this, it's New Year's Eve 2016. So as you hear this, it will be probably Monday or Tuesday. So like the third. Um, but Holly, thank you for uh, accepting to uh, go on this journey with us. We really appreciate it and we're happy about it. Oh my gosh, thank you for inviting me. As I said at the top of the show, what an honor and a delight. You guys are just the best. You're too kind. Um, if you want to leave us a voicemail, you can do so by going to fullsith.com and clicking on the SpeakPipe app, or you can record it on your computer and just uh, send it to our email address, which is holocron at fullsith.com. Go to fullsith.com and you'll find all their contact information um, for new and past hosts. I leave it all in there in every show notes, the contact for everybody in case you want to go back and 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 look at uh, somebody's website or their links or get a hold of them on Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, you can go uh, look for us on at Full of Sith, at the mic, at Swankmotron, and at Surliest Girl. And uh, I always get confused between your Instagram and your Twitter. I know because they're slightly different, but just close enough to make it very confusing. Yeah, well, I I'm a I'm a jerk. I I wrote it down like when we were up here the other day, and I knew knew the direction the show was heading. I made sure I wrote it down so I had the right one. Um. Also, go to Facebook.com slash Full of Sith and like us there. That's where we post the show notes. And uh, there are a lot of other things that Brian or myself or anybody else posts on that site. And then uh, Facebook.com slash groups slash Full of Sith is where we have all the discussions. Uh, if you'd like to be a member of that group, go to Facebook.com slash groups slash Full of Sith. And um, yeah, get it on that action. Holocron at Full of Sith.com again is our email address. And uh, so that all being said, uh, thank you for listening to us uh, work our way through um, this, you know, depressing time. Um, I hope we got some laughs today. I hope we uh, hope there's some healing. I, like I said, I, 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 I know that some and I'm not saying people in particular, but I know some people revel in this thing where somebody died. OK, I can go on TV and talk about it and, and promote my show better. Or we can have an episode where this is all we talk about. We're going to make it about us. And I, I I'm proud of us that we didn't do that and i didn't want to do that and i i just hope that this was the show that everybody was hoping to hear um go to itunes and review us if you haven't done so yet i'm really happy to see that we were our rogue one episode was one of the top downloaded shows for the week and a half since rogue one uh that was really cool we're on the main page of the podcast page too as well that was super cool so please leave us a, a review and stitcher you can write reviews on stitcher as well and you can find us in the google play store and you know just go online and do a search for full of sith and you'll find us so for episode 199 of full of sith brian 200 how about that yeah for my great co-host brian young and our new addition to the full of sith family holly fry i am the mic pilot may the force be with you always If you're not be needing me, I'll close down for a while. <coughs>